when you stifle creativity and you stifle communication, you stifle the people below you and they look for opportunities to leave. People don't leave when they're in a great environment and it doesn't have to be a championship environment, just a positive workplace. Hi, welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronena Inbinder. This show features the stories of talented people working in sports. Are you ready? Let's go. successful sports executive. He's the former LA Dodgers GM and he worked as an executive in other MLB teams such as the Chicago Cubs, the Seattle Mariners, the Toronto Blue Jays and the White Sox. Today he runs a baseball consulting company from which he provides experience advice in decision making, staff, procedures, strategy and resources of baseball organizations. Besides being widely known for his expertise and success in the MLB, he was one of the pioneers to use technology and video analysis in sports. Our guest is a baseball polymath and I can't wait for his lessons on the intersection between sports, business and technology. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce Mr. Dan Evans. That's pretty good, Ronan. You've got a future as a PA announcer if I become a basketball player. Nicely done. Welcome to the Halftime Snacks, Dan. It's a pleasure to finally be able to host you and to have you here. It was great meeting you right before our call and I can already see that you're an awesome person and inspiration for everyone. And I want to kick it off by talking about something very interesting that you might, you as well said that it was a very interesting thing and it's to look back at your life and think about the inflection points. I wonder what are the top three inflection points in your life that led you to who you are today and why do you think those were the, the most important points in your past to lead you to where exactly you are today? Well, first of all, Ronan, thanks for having me and Halftime Snacks. The question was made me so introspective. It was a wonderful question because I think too often we're looking forward and we don't think about the people that really made us the people that we are today. And I, 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 I'm wrestling with the points, but I, I think I know what they are. I've been very lucky, Ronan. I've had awesome mentors in my career and great parents. So, you know, they are the reason I am who I am today. But I think back to when I was a 12 to 15 year old at a local park on the north side of Chicago. And I I won a trip at age 12. I was the only person in the park district and I was awarded this incredible gift to go for three weeks to a uh, baseball camp, a sports camp that changed my life, made me a much better baseball player, gave me confidence, um, made me a far more worldly person. And then at 15, I became a board of director for the local little league. And to this day, I don't know why, but it started to make me realize maybe there's something here. Um, and a couple other points for me. I think um, in 2000, I walked away from the White Sox with an incredible job and no job um, opportunities. I just walked away because I needed a new challenge. 
I'm thrilled I took that risk, made me such a better person. And running candidly, the last year, 13 months, I've lost 16 of my friends um, to COVID. And it's been devastating for me, just spiritually. Yeah, just the loss of important people in my life. But that has changed who I am because I've decided I'm going to enjoy the heck out of life and I'm going to be me. And I'm going to reach down and not be afraid to take chances, to explore. And I'm going to enjoy life that they didn't get the chance to live. And uh, it's been a mantra for me. And it's really elevated me even further. And I'm, in, a, in a weird way, COVID has ripped some really important people away from me. But it's also made me better focused on who I want to be and to my core, who I am as a person. Wow, that's very inspiring, Dan. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to focus on uh, specifically your time at the MLB, the Major League Baseball, as it's known, the most professional league in baseball in the world. And I want to know if there's any two or three specific lessons that you learned in your time in the MLB that you still carry in your business life and in your life outside business as well to win in everything that you do today? That's a heck of a question, Ronan. I'm very lucky. It's my 41st year in baseball. And I continue to learn and I continue to enjoy and explore. I think there's a couple of things that have certainly resonated for me and have separated me from some of my peers and have allowed me to have an incredible amount of success in a variety of roles. Number one is chemistry. And I don't mean the subject that I struggled with in high school. I mean, interpersonal chemistry. It's vital to the success of any business practice. And especially in a sport that plays twice as many games as any other sport and plays for eight straight months with travel and just a demanding schedule, a marathon, Chemistry is so important in the decision-making team, within the community, with the fan base, and within the team itself. I learned a really ugly lesson in 1984. A player just wasn't a good teammate, and it really altered the way I viewed the team element in the game. And I think the other aspect and the other element that I've thrived on is just being creative. You know, there's that old phrase, thinking outside the box. I don't think it's thinking outside the box. I think it's making the box bigger and not being narrow-minded, not being myopic in scope, exploring what's out there, why is it out there, whether or not it fits, and if so, how does it fit? And if it doesn't fit, Ronan, understand why. And I think that's made me, those two elements have really helped me throughout my career regardless of my experience level, they always made me a little bit more inquisitive and therefore a little bit better at what I was doing. I wonder if, if the love of the game kind of fades away when you work so much in every game and watching every practice and you're, you even know the players. I wonder if the love of the game kind of like fades and you start just to treat it as a business or if you kind of like know how to separate both? Can you share with us a little bit of your thoughts about that? That's a terrific question. And for a lot of people, I think it does slowly slide away where it becomes a job. 
Ronan, I have always been somebody who loved crowds. I love being in the stands for the game. There's an energy regardless of the sport. It could be soccer. It could be college basketball. It could be hockey. I love being in the crowd. So what I do, it's kind of like um, therapy for me, where sitting in the stands is kind of like a, a B12 shot for me, where I realize how lucky am I? I mean, I get to sit in a ballpark and this is my job. I get paid for this, regardless of the setting. I've been all over the world watching baseball games. So I think a lot of my peers have lost that. I never will, Ronan, because for me, the thing I miss the most right now during COVID is being in the stands in a packed ballpark with the energy level, the sound, the noise, the expectations and the excitement before the game. And the, the thing that I like the most about sports is the complete unknown. You do not know what's gonna happen in the game. And that one moment might be a moment you never forget. So for me, that, you know, that, that spirit that I take um, in sports, it's, it's something that really elevates my passion for baseball, but in all sports. I just love the roar of the crowd and the feel. And I got a lot of criticism during my career from people saying, oh, no, you should sit upstairs with us you know, in the suite and do everything, you know, by the book. I want to know what the fans are thinking and I want to feel what the fans are experiencing. As a result, it works really well for me to be in the crowd. Yeah, you kind of like want to be a fan. You don't want to, you don't want yeah. to leave, you, you don't want to become just part of a business and leave being a fan behind. I guess that's awesome. Ronan, Ronan, they don't get to take that from me. I love that. I love that, Dan. I want to ask you if there's any structural change in baseball or the way the game has shifted of how it was, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. What structural change in baseball has impressed you the most since you first entered the MLB and why? Well, I think it's a couple things running. I think number one, they, um, they enlarged the playoff format in baseball going from two teams when I first started to four, and now we have 16. Um, and, you know, I don't know what we're going to do this year. I think it's going to be 10, but it's so exciting to have more teams have more chances to get into the postseason. Um, it's frustrating for a fan base when you don't get into the playoffs. And now baseball in the mid-90s, elevated the number of teams. I thought it was great for the sport. The other thing that I think has been great is technology now allows us to watch every game live from our phones, from our laptop, our Chromebook, our television. I think that's been great because whereas you used to have limited information and I would say awareness, except for some of the elite teams, Now there's 30 big league teams, there's 12 Japanese teams, there's 10 Korean teams, and people have an awareness they've never had before. And I think that's great for the game. I feel like also the Mexican league is starting to gain some strength. Have you heard more no about them? You think, you think it's going to be something in the future, some interesting league? It's evolving. It's evolving constantly. They're very forward thinking. 
They've done some really great things with advertising on uniforms, on helmets. It's a very fun atmosphere at the ballpark. And I think it's always great to steal ideas from league to league because if it's working somewhere else, it'll probably work in your venue. I think the Mexican League has a chance now, um, given the changes in minor league baseball, I think the Mexican League can elevate itself further and become more of a go-to league um, with some really fun things that are going on during a transitional period for the game itself. Yeah, I'm looking forward for it, um, Dan, and I agree with you that kind of like leagues and also like teams have to like steal ideas um, to make their leagues and teams better, uh, see what works, you know, on the other side of the globe and try to apply it here. And maybe it doesn't work, but you at least try it. Um, and that's also great. And since your experience has been mostly working with teams and organizations and you've seen lots of managers and you've worked with lots of administrative people in the, in the industry, I wonder what's the main differentiator, what makes a great baseball team and what makes just a good baseball team? What's the thing that differentiate them both in terms of like as a as organization, as a management culture, as, you know, mentality around the people that work there? Do you have some insights about that? I do, Ronan, and I'm very lucky. I learned from some great people and I've tried to impart some of that into the organizations I've worked for and consulted for. I think the people at the top have to be communicative leaders. They have to be people who are, you don't work for them, you work with them. They're inclusive. They take ideas from every element. You know, the intern in the room gets invited and the intern can contribute. I was lucky, I was that intern at one point. When you stifle creativity and you stifle communication, Ronan, you stifle the people below you and they look for opportunities to leave. People don't leave when they're in a great environment and it doesn't have to be a championship environment, just a positive workplace, a place where values, equality, equity are all in place. Um, I think you got to dream big. I'm a DePaul University grad and our athletic director always says, you got to dream big. Well, I think dreaming big starts at the top but has to permeate through the organization so you don't feel that you'll be shot down with an idea that's a little bit out there. I think some of the greatest ideas in the history of sports were ideas that a lot of people would have backed off from. And I think just like in the real world, the great leaders, I mean, the truly great leaders are great communicators and their communication skills allows them to show their vision and their vision leaks into the rest of the organization in a positive manner. And I think that's, that's something that I've tried to instill in every group I've been in, because if you don't do it that way, Ronan, you struggle. And you struggle and you lose people. And when you lose people and their intellectual uh, capabilities and, you know, you just, you just lose a chance to win and be really good. I like what you mentioned about being a great communicator, because as we were speaking before our call, you were mentioning that you're uh, starting to mentor and teach 
uh, youth people, you know, the next generation of baseball. So I guess that you've tried to become this leader that you always kind of admired in your mind of people that can, you know, lead and communicate and teach the way of values and mentoring as, as it may to build the foundations of what's coming up next or how a person will eventually develop in their life. Would you agree that that's kind of the, your mentality towards mentoring or do you have any other uh, um, objective towards it? Why are you doing it? What's the, can you share with us a bit about that? I think the bigger reason, biggest reason I do it and I focus on it, Ronan, is I had great mentors and I'm just giving back. Um, I'm just giving back just like the people who mentored me and got me to the point where I am today. You know, I just think about the great leaders in my lifetime and in, in, you know, in the world. I mean, I think of Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln being an amazing leader. I think of Bill Gates in today's world being an extraordinary leader and doing things that most people in a capitalist society don't gravitate to. I think of, you know, Harry Truman, who was an extraordinary leader with a very limited background. I mean, didn't attend college, just a, a very simple background. But for me, the mentoring element is opening up opportunities and guiding people at an early stage of their career. I kind of like to think of myself as the nudge at the top of a, of a toboggan hill. You know, I, I kind of nudge them down the hill when you're a little afraid and you kind of don't want to go down. And then the nudge becomes guardrails where I'm there as they slide down and it gets a little dicey at times, but just stay in your lane. You'll be okay. I'm there behind you. And when you get to the bottom of the hill, come back up again and we'll try it again. But Ronan, the most fun thing about mentoring is when you get that phone call saying, hey, Dan, I got the job. And then those people evolve into decision-making roles, which now after an eight-year period and Kim Ang, the first general manager who happens to be a female in major league history, one of my protégés worked for me twice. And we worked together and I hired her as an intern. And now she's a ceiling breaker in major league baseball. So I get to enjoy that, not at the same level that they do, but wow, do I enjoy it. I love seeing their titles change. I love seeing their job responsibilities change because I remember when they weren't that person and it's ex really exciting for me. I'm sure that they're gonna recognize it at some point and it's gonna be a lot of like satisfaction also for you that it means a lot for, you know, as me as I am starting my career in the sports technology space, I can see how, you know, a little bit of help from someone could really mean a lot. So it's really, it's, it's, you can't really price it if, if, if that makes sense. So I guess that empathizing for all these people that you helped and all these people that you mentored, it's gonna mean a lot for them. And I think that's awesome, Dan. And you were also mentioning about other projects related uh, with technology and going back to your career, you were also a pioneer of technology in the space. 
So I want to know your take about sports technology in general, but I want to also be specific and ask you about two or three sports technologies that you're most excited about and why do you find them exciting? And also, mm -hmm. if you can share with us a little bit of insight on how did you realize that technology was going to be a thing in sport and why you decided to be a pioneer in the space. Just share with us all your like thoughts around technology yeah. and uh, the intersect, the lovely intersection between sports and technology. I would say there's three things that right now excite me, but I want to just, before I talk about them, baseball's so subjective. There, we measure everything. I mean, Ronan, we measure something on every pitch. It's, it's just, it's to the point where the subjectivity is even more subjective because there's more measurement. But I think the reason I became a pioneer in that area is I wanted to eliminate some of the risk. I wanted to eliminate some of the subjectivity and understand why. I have a big sign in my bedroom. Um, that's the last thing I see before I leave my room every day and it's why. And I, I love why because it makes me think about how come, why do we think this way? Why am I coming to that decision? So sports technology for me has made me better at being me in the game. Um, less subjectivity, more, more facts supporting my opinions. And I think there's, there's a fine line between scouting and analytics. And I think the best organizations and the best people, I like to think I'm one of them, blend both areas as well as you can. You know, it's like having two ice cream scoops and mixing it up still tastes pretty great. Not that the one doesn't taste well, but two scoops is always better than one. But I think there's three things. One, I'm really excited about a new venture that I'm a board member and the president of baseball operations for, and that's a group called Athletics Incorporated. It's a brand new grid system a laser technology that derives answers that have never before been available. And it excites the heck out of me that we're going to be able to bring this not only to organizations across the world, but also to athletes in every sport to make them better, to develop them. And that's one of the real keys, I think, today, Ronan, is we're able to teach better with technology. It doesn't become opinion. So right away, that person becomes more of a filter of information and more of a partner. Um, I think Baseball Savant is an unbelievable website in Major League Baseball that has allowed me to explore things, heck, and I never thought I was going to have a chance to do. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. Darren Willen does a great job. I'm all over that site. And I think the third thing, and you and I have been on a couple of, um, of a couple of web webinars where we've learned, I think wearables are fascinating. And especially wearables on a 24-hour basis because you start to learn how people can excel and how people can elevate their physical presence just by wearables. And I think initially when we started to use them with the Toronto Blue Jays. People looked at it as, you know, why would you do that? Why would you do that? 
Well, all of a sudden our team got better, but more importantly, I think people at first are always averse to new. So I'm always of the opinion, if you're averse to new, that's fine, but I'm not. And if I get an edge on you for an extended period, I'm all over that. I think it's fascinating to learn how sleep, rest, nutrition, how various types of learning abilities, different types of ways of people focusing, getting in a good headspace, allows them to be better performers on the field. And I find that fascinating. And I think in the next five to 10 years, we're going to be astounded at the things we learn. And especially because today's young athlete is going to be okay with it because they've seen technology from the onset. They'll be okay. As a result, we'll be better with the advent of wearables. You know, it was funny because a couple of years back, probably two years ago, I, I attended this spinning lesson, you know, at the gym while I was uh, living in Israel. And funny thing is that I, I wasn't even thinking about wearables at the time, but I remember the spinning uh, coach, the teacher that was teaching the class, he, yeah. he told everyone in the class, he said, you are all going to see in five to 10 years, everyone's gonna be wearing a wearable device that's gonna track your performance. And that just stuck in my head and I was, uh, I kind of like always think back to this guy that he said it and he was so right because tracking the performance and the capabilities of a human body is something that technology can do today. And integrating with sports and integrating with wellness and health and you know the health of humans is a very it's like it's like an opportunity space that we're not kind of like exploring yet but we are starting to see it more and more so i feel like i agree with you dan it's super it's a super exciting space it's something to look forward to and that is probably going to change the way we live in i don't know 10 years as this guy said um, and I'm looking forward to it then. And as long as you and me can, you know, be pioneers in trying and seeing and spotting opportunities in this space, I, I feel like that's, uh, it's going to allow us to see where the industry is going and how it's going to change. And that's awesome, Dan. And, you know, since we're running out of time, I want to ask you uh, one last question. And that's more oriented towards your sports business career. And I would like to ask you if, uh, if you would start over your sports business career, uh, if you would have to start it all, all over again, what would you do differently and why? I take more chances and I would leave. I would have left the White Sox at an earlier stage of my career. I worked my first 20 years of my career with the White Sox. And it was a fabulous place, my hometown. I had a young family. I loved the city. I loved the people I worked with. But I would have left earlier and taken a chance. I took a chance after the 2000 season. It's one of the best moves I ever made, my personal and professional life. But I would have left earlier because here's what I learned. And this is for anyone who's starting your career in the middle of your career. Don't be afraid of change because with change comes a different outlook, different viewpoints, different influencers, mentors, a different work environment that you've never been in. Leaving the White Sox when I did made me way better at being me. 
Ronan, if I had left earlier, I probably would have done better things and made better decisions at a stage in my career. I was in a comfortable place. I loved where I was, um, but I would have left earlier. And I would have left earlier only in a selfish manner, which I wasn't at the time. In a selfish manner, it would have made me better personally and professionally. And I think that's always good to challenge yourself. I, I, I look back and I'm thinking, boy, I wish I would have done that five, six, seven years earlier. But that never crossed my mind. I was just trying to do my job better. But now experience, hindsight, the rearview mirror gives me the advantage of looking back and saying, heck, I would have taken that chance a long time earlier. Who knows what I could have accomplished? I feel like the message is don't really be afraid of change. Keep going because you're going to get somewhere. And I feel like that's a great lesson. Dan, I want to thank you so much for your time and for your insights. Thank you so much for coming to the Halftime Snacks. It's been an absolute pleasure to host you. Complete lesson in sports, technology, baseball, sports business. I can't thank you enough for your time and for everything that you share with us. Thank you for your vulnerability and your openness with us. And I hope that the listeners get inspired by everything that you do because I was. So I hope that they do it as well. But I want to thank you once again for coming to the Halftime Snacks, Dan. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week!